Jesus over every heart and every mind. I know there is peace within your presence. I speak Jesus. I just want to speak the name of Jesus. Till every dark addiction starts to break Declaring there is hope and there is freedom I speak Jesus Your name is Jehovah Your name is healing Your name is life stronghold shine through the shadows burn like a fire I just want to speak the name of Jesus over fear and all anxiety to every soul held captive by depression, I speak Jesus, your name is power, your name is healing, your name is life, break every stronghold, shine through the shadows, burn light. Shout Jesus from the mountains and Jesus in the streets, Jesus in the darkness over every enemy, Jesus for my family, I speak the holy name, Jesus. Shout Jesus from the mountains and Jesus in the streets. Jesus in the darkness over every enemy. Jesus for my family, I speak the holy name, Jesus. Shout Jesus from the mountains and Jesus in the streets. Jesus in the darkness over every enemy. Jesus for my family, I speak the holy name, Jesus. Your name is power. Your name is healing. Your name is life. Break every stronghold. Shine through the shadows. Burn like a fire. Your name is power. Your name is healing. Your name is life. 
shine through the shadows, burn like a fire. I just want to speak the name of Jesus over every heart and every mind. Cause I know there is peace within your presence. I speak Jesus. Well, I want to say welcome. Welcome to those who are here online. Uh, welcome to everybody who's here in person. Glad to have you there on Facebook, on YouTube, on Twitter. Be sure to like, to heart, to share. Uh, do all those things there that you need to do. Follow us on Facebook. Subscribe there on YouTube. Click that notification bell and make sure you have it set to all and you'll get that notification every time we go live. And welcome also to our phone live streaming uh, people who are listening at home online on the phone. Uh, so thank you for being there. Also, if you need that number, uh, you can call the church office or you can see myself uh, after the services and I'll be glad to give that number to you. If you're at home, go to our church website at highlandbaptistchurch.com. It's under the info tab that you can download the worship bulletin for today. Be sure to get one of these if you're here in person. Uh, there are some inserts that are in here that are not online, so be sure to get those. You'll want to read those, and uh, there's some prayer, a prayer guide that's also in there, so be sure uh, to get that. We'll talk more about that in a little while. Uh, we also have children's worship bulletins for those of you who have children with you this morning. Uh, if you need one of those, they're in the windowsill over here uh, to my right. And then a little while later, will be dismissing for Children's Church. Uh, just be sure if you're one of our guests that you go back and sign your children in uh, on the sign-up sheet. It's on a, a stand right outside the doors here. Uh, if you'll go out there and sign them in, and then you'll pick them up uh, for, from Children's Church and sign them out there. Uh, but you can download these also under that info tab at highlandbaptistchurch.com, so be sure to get that downloaded. And then also you can download this week's prayer list uh, there under that also. So uh, glad to have everybody that's here with us this morning. Looking forward to a wonderful Wonderful, wonderful service this morning. See some faces we haven't seen uh, in a while. So glad to have you here with us this morning. Brother Mike, if you'll come. Good morning, all. Take your hymnals if you want to sing with the hymnals. Otherwise, the words will be on the screen. Um, but we will sing a song that's probably not as familiar to a lot of you, but you're not singing to me, you're singing to the Lord. So let's praise Him. Stand up with a choir and, and let's sing moment by moment, 415. Never a trial that he is not 
Amen. Well, this morning as we come to our missionary moment, uh, we have some extra things that we want to do this morning. Uh, but these are our missionaries of the week that are in your bulletin. Be sure to read uh, about them. They are serving in Lincoln, Nebraska, uh, Angel and Vanessa Viveros. Uh, so we want to encourage you to be praying for them. But we also want you to be praying about giving to the Golden, o uh, the golden Offering, the Annie Armstrong Easter Offering for North American Missions. Uh, that's what we'll be, we'll be emphasizing over this next uh, month, month and a half, uh, up through Easter time, so I want to encourage you to be praying about giving towards that offering. We want to share a video with you this morning uh, about our emphasis from uh, the North American Mission Board. They see him here. They see him here. And they see him here. We know it because he said it. Jesus said, the world will see him when the world sees us. That's why together we do this. We give so that those who've not yet seen can see. It means something when the world sees how we give. It means something because we do not look the same. It means something because we do not sound the same. It means something because when we give, this is what the world sees. They see the gospel doing what the world cannot. They see the gospel making us one. And so we give. We give so that missionaries can go. We give so that churches can be started, hurts can be healed, and truth can be shared. We give so the world might see Jesus in us, united, united as one. Good morning. I represent our missions ministry team and this morning uh, I come before you, I hope by now you have noticed inside your bulletin the two inserts that are not normally a part of that. I want to call your attention first of all to the prayer guide that you'll find there. Uh, our theme for this week, this year's week of prayer that begins today on March 5th and continues through March the 12th is United called to be one and it's based on the scripture from philippians chapter 2 verses 1 and 2 which reads if then there is any encouragement in christ if any consolation of love if any fellowship with the spirit if any affection and mercy make my joy complete by thinking the same way having the same love united in spirit, intent on one purpose. This week our missions team encourages you to take this prayer guide home with you. Take a few minutes each day to read through the um, emphasis for that particular day. I know your heart will be blessed by that. If you're a computer person and you'd rather just get online, it is an easy access through AnnieArmstrong.com to be able to pull up the videos just like we've seen today and be able to have your heart blessed there as well. And as we become more aware of the needs throughout North America, our prayer is that you will prayerfully consider your part in giving to the Annie Arm strong Easter offering. The national goal is $70 million. Our goal here at Highland is 8,000. 
So begin praying now for your part in that effort. I'd like to also call your attention to the blue insert that's in your bulletin as well today because we have a missions opportunity right here in our backyard. This information is regarding the sponsorship of a Ukrainian refugee family. Our missions ministry team has been considering for a long time how God could help us use the resources that he so blessed us with. And so our missions team asks that you take this blue insert, read through it carefully, maybe jot down any questions or concerns that you have, and then join us at our March 19th business meeting when we will be thinking together, answering some of your questions and concerns. We pray that most of all that we would just pray God's will for the direction that he wants our congregation to take. So we ask that you would do that. Beginning today, praying for our North American missionaries and the efforts and what we can do at Highland to pursue God's work here. Will you join me in prayer? Father God, we come before your throne of grace today with thankful hearts that we as your people can gather here in this house. We know that you are here amongst us. We feel your presence. We pray that your Holy Spirit might just continue to guide us through this service and through the days ahead as we lift up missionaries and the needs that they have. I pray, Father, that you would help us as your congregation here called Highland to be able to give of our hearts and of our money so that we can further your kingdom's work. I pray, God, that you would just help us as your family here to look to seek your will for your wisdom and your guidance for the mission opportunity that we have in front of us. We lift up the name of Jesus and pray it all in his sweet name. Amen. And I'm not sure if we have those offering envelopes around right now, but uh, you can take your regular offering envelope uh, and you can designate to uh, the North American Missions offering there to Annie Armstrong Easter offering. Uh, you can go to our website, uh, also at highlandbaptistchurch.com. Go to the far right-hand side, click that Give Online tab, and there is a designation there that you can go ahead and begin giving uh, to the Annie Armstrong Easter offering. So just wanted to make you aware of that. We will have off off envelopes uh, for that later uh, if we don't have those out already. Uh, uh, but thank you so much for praying uh, for our visionaries. Take your hymnals again and turn to 476. Let's all sing, Be Strong in the Lord. Strong. 
And reminder, the Children's Church will be gathering during this song over on the piano side. Take your hymnals and stand with us as we sing 405, hymn 405, Have Faith in God. If you will, take your Bibles this morning and open them to Matthew chapter 21. We're also going to be looking at Mark 
chapter 11. You'll notice in your bulletin that it tells you uh, that our passage will go farther. We'll actually be looking at some more of that uh, tonight as this is kind of a parallel passage. It covers the same uh, events here in these two Gospels in Matthew and Mark. And so we're going to be looking first at Matthew 27, verse 17 through 20, and then we're going to be flipping over in a little bit to Mark 11, uh, verse 20 through verse 22. And so if you would, take your Bibles and turn to there and let's stand for the reading of God's Word in honor of His Word. And even if you're at home watching us online, we encourage you to do the same also. Matthew chapter 21, verse 17 says, And leaving them, he went out of the city to Bethany and lodged there. In the morning as he was returning to the city, he became hungry. And seeing a fig tree by the wayside, he went to it and found nothing on it but only leaves. And he said to it, May no fruit ever come from you again. And the fig tree withered at once. When the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, How did the fig tree wither at once? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we humbly come before you in prayer this morning, acknowledging our sinfulness, Lord, asking for your forgiveness, that you would cleanse us by the precious blood of Jesus Christ, and that you would hear our prayers. Lord, we desire, we long to hear your voice speaking to our hearts this morning. And Father, I especially pray for those who may be here this morning who have never trusted by faith in Jesus as their Lord and their Savior. May they see uh, the, the gospel through this message. And Father, I pray that they will respond to, to that gospel call. Father, for those of us who are believers, I pray that we will heed the warnings that we're going to see here and begin to see some of the steps we can take uh, to avoid uh, being nothing but leaves in our lives individually and in the life of the church. And so, Father, we give ourselves to you and we ask for you to do your work in our hearts. May your Holy Spirit be present with us this morning. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. We've already begun looking at Matthew chapter 21 in that we looked at the triumphal entry uh, of Jesus into Jerusalem last Sunday morning, and then we looked at uh, the, the overturning of the, the temple there, overturning the money changer tables uh, and driving them out on last Sunday night. I'd encourage you to go back and listen to those messages as we go through these last several chapters of all of the Gospels. Uh, there's going to be a lot that we're going to cover in the life of Jesus because in fact in going into the final chapters here of Matthew's Gospel, we have the final days in the life of Jesus. No longer is he going to be in Galilee anywhere else. Uh, no longer is he going to be over by the Sea of Galilee or, or over by Jericho or any of those places. He has made it to Jerusalem and, and Bethany being just on the outside uh, where he is taking his rest at. Uh, it, it is, he's come to Jerusalem there uh, because it's the plan and the purpose of the Heavenly Father that he will be betrayed there, uh, that he will die there. Uh, and, and so Jesus is on that trail towards Calvary. He's on his way going to down the cross 
for the sins of the world. Uh, he's evidently, as we see here in verse 17, kind of going back and forth between Jerusalem and the little village of Bethany, which is just on the outside there uh, of Jerusalem. Uh, you kind of get the feeling here that Jesus is probably spending the night in Bethany with, with Mary and Martha and, and Lazarus, and, and, and then in the day he would go back into Jerusalem. Uh, previously, we saw Jesus going to Jerusalem, as we said, going to the temple, cleaning the temple of the money changers. Now he goes back to Bethany in verse 17. He spends the night there. And in the morning, he's going back to Jerusalem again because he's going to go teach this time in the temple this day. Now, we're going to get to that a little bit later. But you're going to see here as, as we go further into the Gospels here, you're going to see this rising tide, if you will, of hostility before Jesus. They've decided at this point that whatever is necessary, the, the religious leaders, they're going to get Jesus. Uh, they've made up their minds. He's too dangerous, and so they're going to kill him. And so as we move along in the atmosphere of, of these series of lessons, uh, which I believe God has for us in these verses, uh, first of all, there's a lesson on fruitfulness that we're going to see here, or fruit, fruitlessness, uh, as we in fact will see. Uh, in the experience of our Savior here cursing this fig tree, Jesus teaches this important lesson. So why does... In those verses we just read there, why does Jesus destroy the fig tree? Now, many say that destroying it was contrary to his character. I mean, even people today would say, well, God is a God of love. But we also see throughout the Bible that he is a holy God. He is a God of justice also. Uh, they would say he would never lash out at a tree uh, for just not, just not bearing fruit, especially when it wasn't even time for the figs to be ripe. And so in the destruction of this fig tree, Jesus teaches us a lesson that shouts loudly to us today as the church, be fruitful and guard against profession without bearing fruit. So notice the lesson here of fruitfulness in verse 17 down through verse 20. Notice that Jesus is, is on his way. He's left Bethany. Uh, he's been up in the morning. He's on his way uh, the following day, Mark says, uh, in his gospel, which means after the cleaning of the temple. Uh, Matthew says he was hungry. Both gospels, in fact, tell us that Jesus was hungry. I mean, he had spent the night in Bethany. Uh, it, was, it was early morning uh, before most had gotten up from bed. Jesus had likely been up praying uh, for some time. He, left, he leaves Bethany before breakfast, and the point is he was hungry. He had a need. But this isn't just a picture here, what we're going to see, of his physical hunger. It's also a picture of his craving for spiritual fruit. He, he desires fruit in our lives. Uh, that is, that's his hunger, that is his craving, that is his longing. In fact, the Bible says that when he sees this fig tree in the way, and that fig tree he saw, uh, he saw it was just full of leaves. I, I mean, when you think of a fig tree, or you think of any kind of fruit tree, uh, you see the, the, the leaves that are growing on the tree. I have a lemon tree at home, and, and I have to roll it in and out because of the freezes and all that kind of thing. Uh, but when it's producing leaves, it's just full with leaves. It's a dwarf lemon tree. It is full of leaves. You know what would be the most disappointing thing? 
to go out there and find that tree has a lot of leaves, but not one single lemon. Here's Jesus who's walking down the path here with his disciples. He comes across this fig tree that is full of all kind of leaves, and he looks at it, and there's not one single fig on this tree. Not to say that they weren't even ripe, but there's not even a fig on the tree. And, and so he, he could see the leaves. I mean, think about that. As he sees the leaves, as you see the leaves on an apple tree, uh, your, your expectation is, I'm going to be able to go over and at least see some apple fruit growing on that tree, whether it's ripe yet or not. Or as my lemon tree, there's a lemon on it, whether it's ripe yet or not. Or a fig tree, there's at least a fig on it, even if it's not ripe yet or not. And so here's Jesus who comes and sees all of that and has that expectation that there's going to be some fruit on this tree. Jesus saw the potential. And I want to tell you this morning, he sees the potential in every one of you here this morning, every one of you watching online. He sees the potential in you trusting in Him as your Lord and your Savior and the impact you could make for eternity in this world for Him could be astronomical. You have no clue, no idea. I guarantee you the guy who led Billy Graham to faith in Christ had no clue what impact that was going to have on the world. Who knows what impact you could have. But God looks at you and he sees the potential in you. In that particular part of the world, the fruit would often come when the leaves came on the tree. Sometimes even the fruit would appear before the leaves uh, would appear. In fact, that's the way it is with my lemon tree. I'll notice the little uh, lemons that'll begin to pop out even amongst the little tiny leaves that are uh, coming out uh, on it. And you can see those even before the leaves get full uh, on the tree. So, so here's a fig tree that's full of leaves. In, in other words, it's kind of advertising itself. It's making an outward show of fruit. It's pretending something that it doesn't possess. The leafy appearance indicates fruit. And so it is with those who profess Jesus as their Lord and their Savior. So if you're here this morning and you profess with your lips to be a follower of Jesus Christ, you profess to be a Christian, let me ask you this morning to examine your own heart and your own life. Is there any fruit on the branches of your life? Or is it just a facade, an appearance with all the leaves that are there. See, profession indicates that the disease of sin has been taken care of, that the disease of sin has been destroyed. But this leafy appearance, the full foliage, it, it stirs an expectation just as it did for Jesus here who expected there to be fruit present. He expected his hunger to be satisfied by the fruit of this tree. Profession stirs expectation among everybody who sees it. When somebody professes that they know Jesus as their Lord and their Savior, the expectation of us even as believers is that's awesome praise God he's gonna do great and mighty things through you but so often what we see is a profession with lips but no fruit 
You see, the leafy appearance here of this fig tree, this full foliage, necessitates fruit. And, and so pr profession necessitates that fullness, fruitless, fruitfulness follows. If there is no fruit, then, then the profession is empty. The profession is good for nothing. So, in other words, when it comes back to what Jesus is going to teach us here in just a moment, even more in depth is, is that you can profess Jesus all you want, all day long with your lips, but if there is no fruit in your lives, then the profession of your lips is empty, is fruitless. There's nothing there. And so Jesus, when he comes upon this fig tree, he inspects it. He gets done looking at it. He doesn't find any fruit. And he does something here that absolutely stuns his disciples. He speaks a word to the fig tree. Let me tell you, Jesus never spoke a word to any other tree in all the rest of the New Testament. Not once. As far as we can tell in the Bible, this is the only miracle here that Jesus performs that was judgmental in nature. Because notice what he speaks to this fig tree. He says to this fig tree, nothing will ever grow on you anymore. That's harsh. That a fig tree not once ever again is ever going to produce anything else. You're not going to grow anymore. And the Bible says immediately that fig tree began to wither away. It seems to be the only time that Jesus Christ in miracle form pronounced a curse on anything. What is Jesus trying to say here? What is the purpose in, in this? Why is this in the New Testament? I mean, because understand, we don't have a 24-7, uh, 365 days of the year account of every little thing Jesus did, every little thing Jesus said. We have the important things that God wants us to know about himself, to know about Jesus. So why tell us about this fig tree? Why tell us that he curses this fig tree? What is the purpose for this why is Jesus using this to teach in a symbolic form there's a reason in it because in the Bible the fig tree was a symbol of the nation of Israel in fact there are three times in the Bible that there are three different kinds of trees or vines that the Bible symbolizes the nation of Israel as in, in every stage of their history so in the past history they're pictured as a vine now, we as believers in the New Testament are pictured as the vine. Jesus is the vine, we're the branches. And so uh, he pictures the nation of Israel as the vine in the Old Testament. When they were carried out of the land of Egypt, they were planted in the land of Canaan. That was God's plan for them, that they be a vine. That's why Jesus said uh, when he came, I am the true vine. Because Israel had failed to be that vine that God had intended them to be. Then in their existence at the time of Jesus, the symbol that described them is the symbol of the fig tree. So when you're reading in the New Testament, many times he's using this illustration of the fig tree. In the future, the symbol of Israel is an olive tree. 
The Bible predicts that one of these days the olive tree is going to flourish again. God has a plan for the nation of Israel and he isn't through with his people. He has a plan for them out there in the future. But in the present existence of Jesus in this day in this passage, the nation of Israel was like that fig tree that has leaves but it has no fruit. To have leaves, as we said, is a, is a pretense of something that it doesn't possess. And he's saying, that's what you're like, Israel. You're putting on a pretense that you have something, but you don't have it. It's making this outward statement that's not consistent with the inward reality. And that was exactly the way the nation of Israel was. If you had gone to Jerusalem at the time of Jesus, you would have seen all the outward trappings of religion. You would have seen magnificent buildings. You would have seen the temple buildings and all of the adjacent buildings. It was magnificent in its, in its structure. Uh, they, they were extremely elaborate. They were expensive to construct. And many, many decades of time were spent constructing those magnificent buildings. Now, of course, you know that buildings are wonderful things, but buildings are only valuable when they're used as a tool and an instrument to reach people for Jesus. It's dangerous when any group of religious people get more attached to the buildings than they do the reason why the buildings were constructed to start with. So if you'd gone to Jerusalem, you would have saw those temple buildings, those magnificent temple buildings. They had hundreds of priests all over the place. They were carrying on all kinds of religious activities. They had elaborate ceremonies. And they went through all kinds of outward show of religion. And yet Jesus, by this significant symbolic act, is saying, you can have all that that you want, Israel, but it's just only leaves a profession. There's no fruit of possession. There's no reality in their experience. They had buildings, they had priests, they had ceremonies, but they had no humility, they had no faith, they had no grace, they had no love, they had none of the genuine fruit that their relationship with God ought to produce. And so standing there looking at that fig tree, Jesus saw no fruit on that fig tree, but he was also looking at the nation of Israel and he was seeing no fruit in the nation of Israel. I mean, think about it. Here was this fig tree. It's full of leaves. It's got plenty of sap to produce those leaves. There's plenty of, 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 of the potential within the fig tree to produce the fruit, but all it's producing is a bunch of leaves that are worthless, good for nothing. And so that was the sad fact. Despite all the appearance of fruit bearing, the tree had nothing. That's the tremendous lesson for us from this fig tree. There's a message God wants to speak to us through this cursing of the fig tree. What Jesus is trying to say to us is that mere profession is not enough. There has to be possession of Jesus as your Lord and Savior. There has to be that reality. There are many people who go through the motions of religion 
and, and, and they have all the leaves of outward profession, but the reality is uh, that the, the matter isn't in their hearts. It's not in their hearts. If you've never truly trusted in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you've never, if your life has never really been changed, it doesn't matter how many religious leaves that there may be in your life if it's not consistent with what you really are in your heart. It's just profession. It's nothing but leaves. So think about it in this respect. You can come to church on Sunday mornings, but if you aren't genuinely saved, it's nothing but leaves. You can bring your Bible with you and carry it with you wherever you want to. But if you're not saved, if you're not trusting in Jesus, living for Christ, it's nothing but leaves. If you, can, you can loudly proclaim the religious attachments. But if it's not true to your faith in Jesus, it's nothing but leaves. Think of it in this way also. You can take a sticker and put it on your vehicle. You can wear a Christian t-shirt... You can wear a necklace around your neck that has a cross on it, but none of that means anything. It's just a t-shirt. It's just a bumper sticker. It's just a necklace. The reality is of your life, if you don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior, it's nothing but leaves. And so Jesus said, if you go back to Matthew chapter 7, back in chapter 7, he said, by their fruits you will know them. So just hang around people long enough and just look at the fruit of the life of an individual and you'll find out what kind of person that person is. It's always the test of the fruit. Now, I don't know anybody's heart, and I can't tell you and stand up here and tell you you're not saved or you are saved. You may look saved on, uh, on Sunday morning. You may look as saved as you can be. I don't know your heart. I don't know whether you're saved or lost. Only God knows, and you do. But remember what Jesus said, by their fruits you shall know them. And so the Bible tells us about some of the fruit that's supposed to be a part of the life of a, of a truly saved individual. And that's why the, the world so often rejects what we have to say, is because they hear us saying one thing, but they see us living something contrary to the Word of God. And so, for instance, in Philippians chapter 1, verse 11, it talks about the fruits of righteousness. It means right living. That if a person truly knows Jesus as their Lord and their Savior, if Jesus does anything for a person's life, it ought to help them to live right. It ought to change your behavior. There ought to be a different lifestyle than the way you used to be before you came to Christ. What's it all about if being saved doesn't make your life different from those in the world? There's the fruits of righteousness. But in Philippians chapter 4, it also talks about the fruit of our giving. And the fact that when you're saved, one of the evidences in your life that instead of being a getter and always wanting, 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 you're always wanting to help, to give, to give, to give, to be a giver. And so we're interested in giving uh, of, of ourselves to others, giving of our finances to others, giving of our time to serve the Lord. That's one of the fruits uh, of a believer in this life. In Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 15, the Bible says we're to offer the sacrifice of praise to God. 
And so uh, we're also to show the fruit of the Spirit. You ever looked at the fruit of the Spirit? Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit, so if you have the Spirit of God dwelling within your heart and your life, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. It's one thing to overcome the flesh and not do evil things, but quite something else to do good things. See, think about this. Anybody can say that I'm not guilty of being a murderer. I'm not guilty of being a thief. I'm not guilty, maybe you could say, of adultery. But only those who are truly saved can produce fruit of the Spirit in their life. Negative goodness isn't enough in life, that I don't do the bad things. That's not enough. There has to also be these positive qualities in your life, the fruit of the Spirit. And and so the contrast that you see through the New Testament is uh, between works and fruit is important. Think about this. A A machine in a factory works, and it turns out a product, but it would never, it could never manufacture fruit. Fruit has to grow out of life, and in the case of the believer, out of life in the Spirit. The Message Bible says it this way in Galatians chapter 5, verse 25 through 26, that goes after the fruit of the Spirit list here. And so it says in Galatians 5, verse 25 and 26, since this is the kind of life we've chosen, the life of the Spirit, let us make sure that we do not just hold it as an idea in our heads or a sentiment in our hearts, but work out its implications in every detail of our lives. That means we will not compare ourselves with each other as if one of us were better or worse. And that's what we do so often. We look at somebody out there who's in sin and we say, well, at least I'm not like they are. At least I'm not doing what they're doing. But what are you doing? Is there any fruit in your heart? Is there any fruit in your life? So when you think of works, you think of effort, you think of labor, you think of strain, you think of toil. When you think of fruit, you think of the the beauty of the fruit. You think of quietness and, and the unfolding of life. The flesh, the Bible tells us, produces dead works, but the Spirit produces living fruit. And this fruit has in it the seed still for more fruit. In other words, love brings more love. And joy produces more joy. So Jesus' concern all throughout the New Testament, you can see it in John chapter 15, verse 2 and verse 5. He says you're to produce fruit, more fruit, and much fruit. Because that's the way that we glorify Him. When others see the fruit in your life, not what you profess just with your lips. The old nature can't produce fruit. Only the new nature can do that. Now, there is to be the fruit of our lips, the giving thanks unto his name. And and understand that what we say is one of the evidences of the fruit in our life. What's down in your heart, when you shake that heart up, when you're going through a crisis in your life, those things begin to come out in your 
words that you speak and say. It's kind of like a glass. If I had a glass up here of, of, of soda or a glass of coffee or a, or, or a glass of Kool-Aid, if you set that down and slam that down, drink is going to go splattering everywhere. So what's in the cup is going to come out of the cup. If there's water in there, water's going to come out. If there's tea in there, tea's going to come out. If there's Kool-Aid in there, Kool-Aid's going to come out. You aren't what you are when life is all smooth and fine. You aren't what you are when things are going your way. When things don't go your way, and when you spew off at the mouth, then you find out who you really, really are. Sometimes we don't like what we really, really are when we listen to some of the things we say and when we see some of the ways we act and we look truly at our lives when we examine our hearts and we see the inconsistency of our lifestyle. Jesus talked about nothing but leaves when fruit ought to be there. So there's a, a, a lesson there uh, in, in, in fruitfulness and unfruitfulness, a lesson on being what we are and what Christ has made us. None of us are what we ought to be. Every single one of us have failed along the way. All of us have to ask God to forgive us and to help us. But if Jesus Christ is in your heart, he's working in your life. And it's kind of like the children's song we used to sing. He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. That's what he's doing. He's still working on you to make you what you ought to be. That's true. There ought to be some fruit in our lives every day. So Jesus gives us a lesson here on fruitfulness and fruitlessness. But here's the solution on fruitlessness. So we're going to get into all the rest of it tonight, but I want to give you one of the major points because it's, it's the foundation of all the rest. I want you to turn in your Bibles over to Mark chapter 11. So in Mark chapter 11 and verse 20 and verse 22, looking at this same occasion, the lesson from the withered fig tree, there's some things here we find out in Mark's account that Matthew doesn't tell us. Now Matthew, if you'll remember, is writing to a Jewish audience. He's writing about Jesus as the king. So he has a different purpose in, in what he's accounting about Jesus' life versus what Mark is, who's writing more towards Gentiles. So we come to Mark chapter 11, verse 20, down to verse 22. And the Bible says, as they pass by in the morning, so this is after he's cleansed the temple, they saw the fig tree withered away, to its roots. So he cursed the fig tree, and then they, they went in, into town, did their things. They came back. They went back to Bethany. They're coming back in the morning, the following morning, and they saw the fig tree withered away to its roots. And Peter remembered and said to him in verse 21, Rabbi, look, the fig tree that you cursed has withered. And Jesus answered them, Have faith in God. So we saw the lesson first on fruitlessness, but he also gives us the solution. The fig tree uh, was noticed as the disciples are returning here to the temple. This is probably Tuesday morning. 
Uh, they, they hadn't noticed it maybe the evening before because they either took a different route out of the city to Bethany. Maybe it was too dark when they passed by. But this tree, when they see it this next morning here, was a sign of disappointment. It was a sign of, of coming justice and, and punishment. Notice that the tree had died up to its roots. Understand that whenever a tree dies at its roots, there's no saving it. It's done. Understand this, when an individual or a group dries up spiritually, it's usually from the roots. So as believers, we need to make sure that we're careful to, to develop our spiritual roots and to not settle for just leaves. But here's the point. That wasn't the lesson Jesus is teaching here. Jesus uses this fig tree to teach what the conditions are for powerful prayer. You may be thinking, what in the world? A fig tree and prayer? How does this all go together? We'll come back tonight. You're going to get the rest of that tonight. But here's the first thing I want you to see about prayer. The power of praying with a heart of faith. The power of praying with a heart of faith. Go back and look at verse 22 again. And Jesus answered them, have faith in God. Now Jesus used this miracle to teach us the lesson on faith here. The first condition to prayer is faith in God. So the next morning these disciples noticed this dead tree. Jesus said, have faith in God. Meaning this, constantly be trusting God. Constantly be living in an attitude of dependence on Him. Here's something you need to get this morning if you don't get anything else from this lesson Jesus is trying to tell us. The object of faith is God himself. The critical words of that phrase are in God. Jesus didn't just say, have faith. So often, that's where we run astray, is we, we just say, have faith, have more faith, build up your faith, grow in your faith. But notice what Jesus says, have faith in God. Faith has to have an object. In God is where we're to have our faith. Because faith has no value in and of itself. Only the object, only God has value. Notice this, the Bible never says to have faith in faith. Yet that's the experience of so many. Because too often we go through a, a difficult difficulty or some problem arises and, and we feel like if I could just arouse more faith, if I could just stir up more faith, if I could just build up more faith, I could overcome uh, this situation. Uh, we feel that if we just stirred it up, we could beat this problem. We usually say something like, if I just had more faith. But in reality, when you're saying that, you're placing your faith in faith. You're not placing your faith in God. When we've had faith in faith, our mind, our attention, our heart is focused on faith. If I could just start, notice where that also is. Do you hear that? I, 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 if I could just do that, if I could just do this, faith has no power. It's the object of faith that has the power. Our faith isn't going to remove mountains. That's what we're going to look at tonight. God's going, God's the one who's going to remove 
the mountains. And so the strength of faith isn't faith, it's God. In the Bible, practically everyone who came to God had weak faith. There's only a few who had a strong faith, and yet God saved them and granted their requests. Faith requires knowing the object of faith. So the more you know the object of faith, the more you believe in the object. Look at, think of this example. There's two men who go out on a frozen lake to fish. One man is told to go ahead and, and go out on the lake, cross the lake. Uh, his friend assures him the ice is going to hold you up. And yet when he begins to step out on the ice, he begins to ca cautiously and, and trembling, taking step after step, almost uh, shuffling his feet along, uh, usually until he can't stand it any longer, and he goes back. But the other man walks out courageously, boldly, cuts a hole in the ice, sits down, and begins to fish. What supported the man sitting out on the ice. Not his faith, but the ice, the object of his faith. Who had the strongest faith? The man out on the ice. The one with the weak faith is the man who slowly inched his way back. What made the difference between the faith of these two individuals? One thing. One man knew the ice, and the other man didn't know the ice. What makes the difference for you today is do you know Jesus or not? Because that's going to make all the difference whether your life is producing any fruit. What makes the difference for you today is this. Do you know Jesus as your Lord and your Savior? Or is what you've been professing with your lips all a big show? A bunch of leaves, but no fruit to give the evidence of your faith. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a powerful lesson from a simple object, a fig tree. A fig tree that was full of leaves, but no fruit. That you used to show the nation of Israel that they were just like that fig tree. They had all the religious trappings. They said all the right things, but their hearts were far from you. Lord, I pray this morning that's not where we are. Lord, I pray this morning that we are here and we have trusted by faith in Jesus as our Lord and our Savior. We've not trusted in our own efforts, but we're trusting in Him. We've received him as our Lord and Savior. And Lord, I pray that it's more than just a profession of the lips, that we walk down an aisle and we, we said we know Jesus. Lord, I pray that there is a producing of fruit in our lives, all those various fruit that we looked at a while ago. Father, I pray that you would begin the work in us. Father, I pray that we will begin producing fruit like never before. Fruit of the Spirit, fruit of souls being saved, the fruit of our lips praising you. And, and, and that it's not just words, but that our lives are backing it up in our lifestyle. So, Father, I pray that if there are those who are here this morning, that maybe they have looked into the dark places of their heart. And they have seen this morning that I don't have any fruit. Lord, I pray that you will help them to be able to answer that question this morning in their heart of hearts. Lord, I can't answer it for them. Only you and they can. 
Lord, do they know you as Lord and Savior? And I pray this morning, Lord, if they have not trusted by faith in Jesus, may they call out to him and say, Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner and I need to be saved. And I believe what Jesus did for me, that he died on that cross, was buried in the tomb and arose on the third day. Jesus, come into my life and change me from the inside out to produce fruit, the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of souls being saved. And Father, may it give evidence of the profession of my lips. Father, I pray that they would come this morning to publicly profess that faith in Christ if they prayed something like that. Lord, there may be many of us who are here as believers and we have looked at the branches. We have been looking all over and there's no fruit. Lord, before the word of judgment comes upon us, before uh, we, we face death, Lord, I pray that we will get things right with you in our hearts, that we will come back to Jesus who is the object of our faith. In fact, he is the author and the finisher of our faith. And so, Father, I pray that you'll renew us, revive us, and restore us to a right relationship with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we stand, as we sing our hymn of invitation, number 317, Only Trust Him, will you come this morning as the Lord lays on your heart? As we stand, would you sing, Brother Mike? seated for just a moment. Brother Mark, if you'll come and share announcements. Well, good morning, everybody. Just have a couple of announcements before we dismiss. Uh, let's be in prayer for the families of Donna Jackson and the passing of her brother-in-law, Mr. Allred, and also Todd Nichols lost his mother this week. That service will be at Kilgore uh, on Tuesday. I think it's 11 o'clock, Pastor Jim, 11 to 1. And uh, also, Vacation Bible School, this is noted on the back page of our bulletin. We'll have an organizational meeting this afternoon at 4 in the Fellowship Hall. And, and uh, also, Laura Smith is, is in the process and others preparing for the Easter uh, festivities uh, for the children. And she asked that if you 
would be led to do so that you would bring in individually wrapped candy that could be used uh, in the Easter eggs that will be put out for the for the children on that uh, on that occasion. And with that, let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you for our, our Lord. We thank you for the example that he set of of being the true vine and of producing fruit as he re relied on on you as the holy the heavenly father we thank you that we're instructed encouraged and even commanded to also exhibit fruits of the spirit and to use and to demonstrate our love for others by the exercise of spiritual gifts we thank you for this place where we're free to do that and where we we see joy and we find uh, uh, fruit for our labors. We thank you for this message that we've heard this morning. We ask that you might apply it to our hearts and lives in the days ahead. And we'll do, ask all these things in Christ's name.